left us alone to try to figure this out, but Lord, that you have given us instruction, that you've given us help, and that you have placed us in this spiritual family. We thank you for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So welcome to City Harbor Church, a safe place to find and follow Jesus. We are wrapping up today a series that we've called, I See You. Kind of a pop culture thing of recognition and respect or uh, experiencing through personal relationship. I see you. I see you there. Being you, doing you. We're taking this uh, lifting from, as we are going to be in the next couple weeks, uh, Jesus' first big teaching uh, that's recorded in Matthew 5. Uh, blessed or God blesses or happy would be the street Greek that Jesus spoke with uh, blessed right, that you may be familiar with in Matthew 5. Blessed, happy are the pure in heart. Now when God, when Jesus teaches this, this is like the teaching for the satisfied customer, for the person that is happy. This is the teaching of, hey, this is a good thing. It's not meant to seem formidable. It's not meant to seem inaccessible or impossible. And the main thing that he had been talking about that Matthew records in the previous chapter is he was going around saying, hey, God's available. Stop living for yourself, doing your own thing. Turn around. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is near. That's what Jesus was teaching. So this, what he would be talking about on a regular basis is, hey, being pure in your heart is possible. And there's a benefit to it. People will point at you and look at you and say, you're happy. Because I'm... Right? You're happy. Blessed are the pure, for they will see God. And seeing God, which was a very sensitive topic and something that was talked about quite a lot at this day and this time with these ancient times and cultures, was seen as a benefit of being pure in heart, to be able to see God. And I'm, I'm going with the tagline here from Jesus' teaching that you see on the screen. If you see God, it changes how you see everything else. And the serenity prayer that we heard earlier with communion and it is well with our soul has a lot to do with how you see everything else. And I would like to say that from my own story, in my own life, I have seen that I came to a certain place of healing, but did not process it, digest it, live in open community, go before the scripture enough so that I thought this is as happy as I can be and yet I was still really miserable and so I lived for years where depression and anxiety affected me every day. I got to a point where every day I expected things to turn out bad. But I felt I was I was raised in a blue collar work ethic home. That's what I was, I, I've, some of you like said, man, Pastor Ben's over there, he's, he's like sweating, look at him moving that stuff. Like, that's just my family, that's just what we do. We, I was never, I, I really did not have a lazy family member. I just didn't, my family was a little bit different. And so I was laid, I was raised with that, that work ethic. But what happened was, that then affected, I got to a, a little bit of peace with Jesus But then I thought the rest of this anxiety and misery and depression, I'm just supposed to live with. So I'm going to lower my head like a fullback. Kyle, use check. Come on. And I'm just going to power through life. But I did not realize that that was unnecessary. 
And I look back now, and a part of my motivation today in opening the scriptures for you is that I don't want you to experience that. I don't want you to go through a single day of your life with an unnecessary amount of pain, anxiety, or depression. Joy should be something that we are known for. And today, it's a word that people like. That's weird. That must only be medicinally induced. Like we heard early from the college days. Right? So, but I think a part of that is because we can often have trust issues with God, right? So our question can be this. If I come to God, what will I find him to be like? Because we've had bad experiences with people, and so we put on, we're like racist against God, kind of like a prejudice, like I prejudge God. God must be like people because he created people. No, uh uh-uh. We don't trust God. We avoid God because we think he's going to be like bad people that we've known. But he's not. He's not like people in that way. And so healthier questions look more like this. We've talked about this last couple weeks. What's God like? In other words, what has God disclosed about himself? And Tozer writes this in Knowledge of the Holy, which I recommend to you. Small book. To our questions, God has provided answers. Not all the answers, certainly, but enough to satisfy our intellects and ravish our hearts. These answers he has provided in nature, in the scriptures, and in the person of his son. So I believe that there is enough truth that has been revealed through creation, cities, and waterfalls. And in human history, and in scripture, and in Jesus. Enough has been revealed about God that we can learn about him. Now, what's important though is that we think about this in a healthy way that were taught from Scripture. And that's why I have these four points on the screen. We are designed to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. This is my way of synthesizing or putting in modern language something that ancient Christians for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years have repeated together. Now, we're kind of a... a um, can't say modern, postmodern, whatever, contemporary. We're kind of like a modern church in that we don't do high worship and a lot of recited prayers from 200 years ago. But this first point is something that Christians have repeated for a couple hundred years. We are designed to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. Enjoying God is a thought that maybe you've never been exposed to, but I want to give you an opportunity to taste it. Longing to be happy is good, not sinful. Some of us come to like, we, we mix up because we, we experience some pleasure and then guilt when we do sinful things. So then we mix up and we think that anything that's pleasurable must be bad. No, God, God created us to enjoy things. It's a gift. Longing to be happy is good, not sinful. The deepest and most enduring happiness is found only in God. That's how we can walk around like Eddie Murphy's buckwheat and Wookum Penub and all the wrong paces, Wookum Penub, right? We, are you with me? Like that, you can be miserable. You can be, I'm glad you're still breathing. You can be miserable because you're looking for enduring the best happiness in all the wrong places. This happiness is complete when we share it with others. So what I see 
And, and, and I, I firmly believe that the most, peop, most dangerous people in all of human history are people that called themselves believers in Christ but weren't. And furthermore, the most miserable people were people who called themselves believers in Christ but didn't fully examine it and experience it and enjoy it. I love the fact that over when I pass um, 33rd and I'm going around, there's this huge statue to Martin Luther. There's some weird statues in Baltimore. There's a huge statue to Martin Luther. One of the things I love about Martin Luther is that he and his contemporaries, when they went through the Reformation and went back to this doctrine of the grace of God, were saved by grace and faith through Jesus... The historical writings were, these guys were like, they went down into the basement and saw, found something that was like 400 proof. They were intoxicated beyond normal human experience. That's actual historical writings about them and the way that they experienced the love of God. I want to tell you something. And, and, and this is just for the sake of being fair, full disclosure, so you know what kind of church you're coming to. I myself have experienced God in such a way where people called me drunk for weeks at a time. In fact, over the course of several months, those experiences, which included examining the scriptures, prayer, talking about God, accountability, confessing sin, forgiveness, and all those things, but those experiences, actually, my personality changed. And anyone who's known me as a child, if they were standing here today, would say yes. It's possible to enjoy God in this way. So what we've already talked about, when I see God, right? That's our goal. We want to see God, understand who he is. Is a God who sees me and loves me. That was the first week. The second week, last Sunday at Justin and Becky's, was a God of good love in mercy and grace. What we're really doing in total before we're all done here with this series is we're looking at around 10 of God's attributes and characteristics. I'd like to turn to Revelation chapter 4 and verse 8. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 8. That's the one at the back of the book. Um, Or if you're putting it in your your Bible app on your phone, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 8. And today, starting from this verse, we are going to look at God eternal, God infinite, God all-knowing, and God all-powerful. God eternal, God infinite, God all-knowing, and God all-powerful. Revelation chapter 4, verse 8, John, who was the follower of Jesus, that people, his nickname, his reputation, was the one who loved Jesus, the one who leaned against Jesus, the one who stayed close to Jesus, a lover of Jesus, who had that close, intimate, personal relationship. God chooses to give John a series of visions about the end of this world, about the new heaven, the new earth, but the theme of the Revelation, of the book of Revelations, and for those of you that don't know, yes, I did take this for college credit, and actually I did teach a course on this book in a college as well. The Revelation is the revelation of Jesus. There you go. You all get an A. <laughs> That's the theme of the book. That's the point. If we get distracted by all the imagery and everything else, we've missed the point. Here we go. In the vision before the throne, John sees these creatures that are worshiping God, and this is what they're saying. They're saying a truth that is so important. It's in the Bible and on the screen. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord 
God Almighty, who was, who is, who is to come. They are speaking of Jesus and this Lord God Almighty, our primary theme today, El Shaddai, the Almighty One, is spoken of Jesus. Jesus is God. Today's teaching is not on the Trinity, but I just wanted to simplify that, right? So we're talking about God. Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, who is to come. He is the one true living God, creator and sustainer of the universe with all power, eternal, who always has been and forever will be. I'm going to quickly put some scripture on the board for us to just soak in together. The love of the Lord remains forever. On the screen from Psalm 103, verse 17. Psalm 90, verses 1 through 2. Lord, through all the generations, you've been our home. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from beginning to end, you are God. So first, infinite, eternal. Just real quick, C.S. Lewis, his analogy for this teaching was, imagine an endless piece of paper. A piece of paper without end. And then you were to draw a line on that piece of paper. That line represents chronological time. That piece of paper is eternity. God exists in eternity. Time exists in Him. Okay. I know we're already getting deep. Wolverine, the comic book hero. (laughs) One of the things that was lamented about Wolverine at great length was his immortality, sort of. His immortality. Why? Because he would get to know, fall in love with people, and then they would die and he wouldn't. It's not sad about God. Because all those who know with God will be with him forever. The eternity of God was one of the things that freaked me out, disturbed me the most as a child. Because I have a finite brain. We need to come to a place of accepting that a finite human brain, a brain with limits. You don't think your brain has limits? Try going a week without sleep. Some of the people are not here in church today. That's why they're not here, because they've got babies. (laughs) Your brain has human limits. So, therefore, your brain in your human state cannot fully comprehend a limitless God. But that is who God is. Only a limitless God can let there be light, and there's light. Right? There is light. Now... I don't have time for that. Um, God all-knowing. Um, if, if, if you are in a state of brokenness and being hurting and needing to be aware of the love of God, I would recommend that you read Psalm 139 every day. Yeah. Psalm 139, read it every day. It talks about how God knew you before you were born. It talks about how God knows you when you are in bed, God knows you when you get out of bed. God knows you when you're happy. God knows you the rest of the time too. Lifting from that, the songwriter, you know everything about me. God is an all-knowing God. Ezekiel 11 verse 5. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon me and he told me to say, this is what the Lord says to the people of Israel. I know what you're saying, for I know every thought that comes into your minds. Don't you think we should just give up on trying to pretend that we're doing better than we are? 
God already knows. And yet he loves you. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 through 32, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the, the thoughts of unbelievers. And I, I would just gently say to you, if those are the things that are dominating your thoughts, you need to pray that prayer, Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So sometimes it's okay to just say, God, help. God, that one. Right? Think about this. Well, let's do another one. First John, same person who wrote the book of Revelations. Even if we feel guilty, anyone ever felt guilty? God is greater than our feelings. And he knows everything. He is the all-knowing, eternal, infinite God. I want you to think about this before we move on from the God all-knowing. So briefly, we talked about eternal and infinite. He's above all things, in all things. Without, He's the limitless God. He knows everything. So no one other than the one true living God can know everything about you and yet care completely about you. So if there is anyone in the galaxy that you should be pursuing a personal, experiential, mind-consuming, heart-consuming relationship with, it's God. And if you are in a place of struggling, it may be time to spend a little less time in relationships that are not helping you move that direction and spend a little more time in relationships that are helping you in that direction. Life-giving relationships. There can be seasons for that. Does that make sense? No one else can know and care the way that God does. Now, let's turn our attention to this El Shaddai. Where does this, this name come from? Genesis chapter 17 to verse 1. God appears. It's on the screen. Genesis 17, 1. God appears to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. God is not human. He can't lie. God, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Genesis 18, verse 14. The person he spoke to says this, Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? In Job 42 and 2, in the back and forth between Job and his friends, speaking of God, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. We referred already to Psalm 90, Psalm 91 and verse 1. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Is standing before the Almighty God a a frightening thing? Mm, Yeah, yeah. Sobering, absolutely. Is standing before the Almighty bringing a result of fear? No. No, not fear the way we modern Americans use that word. What the psalmist writes is that standing in the presence of the Almighty brings rest. 
If my spirit is in a state of unrest, that's a sign to me that I'm seeking the gifts and not the giver. That was really good, so I'm going to say it again. If my spirit is in a state of unrest, right? And we all experience unrest. If my spirit is in a state of unrest, then that's a sign that I may be seeking the gifts and not the giver. It's time to seek more time in the presence of God. And my suggestion would be, it's time for you to make a decision to shut out whatever you need to shut out to be in his presence. Are you with me? Now, just my two cents, being here is helpful. Gathering in homes, life groups, those that took a break on the summer, like mine, starting back up. Get yourself in a small group. Worshiping God together is helpful to be in his presence so that the result in your spirit will be rest, serenity, peace. Isaiah 43, verse 13, the prophet, God, God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah. From eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can snatch anything out of my hand. No one can undo what I have done. You cannot be snatched out of God's hand. The promise of God inside you cannot be undone. God said it. Jeremiah, who had a really interesting relationship with God, which at times was not restful, Jeremiah 32, verse 17, O sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Jeremiah 32, 26 to 27, Then this message came to Jeremiah from the Lord. I am the Lord, the God of all the peoples of the world. Is anything too hard for me? I think we should be careful to not define God in human terms, but let God define himself. That's the whole point of C.S. Lewis' analogy with Aslan. You don't tell a lion what to be. And why are we so ticked off when they hurt people? It's a lion! <laughs> like one of my favorite YouTubes. Don't go, go to the beach, don't go to the ocean. That's the shark's house! Some of you will thank me later. Matthew 19 and verse 26. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but with God, everything is possible. That's Jesus talking. And I love this. And some of you got to memorize this and get it in your system. And one of the most world-changing people I ever knew who passed away a couple years ago would quote this one all the time, Ephesians 3.20. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. God is not limited to your concept of him. That's why a healthy relationship with God is that I should always be learning about him. If I'm not always learning about him, how will he surprise us? How is he worthy of worship? Revelation 19, verse 6. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, the All-Powerful One, reigns. That's why we say this, bringing it to a close this morning. God is alive, aware, able, and active. Okay, I don't do this too often. Why don't you say this with me, okay? God is alive, aware, able, 
and active. It's time for you in your life, in your personal private time, to start to fill in these blanks. If God is eternal and infinite, all-knowing, all-powerful, then I am his child created by design, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? You kind of start to feel that gumption just kind of rising up in you? Oh, yeah. Bring it on. Okay, life. (laughs) Right? If God sees me and yet loves me, then I am known by him on the screen. This is really important. I want you to get this in your spirit. If God sees me and yet loves me, then I am known by him and loved by him and I can do all things. If you see God, it changes how you see everything else. It brings into your life joy and purpose, freedom from addiction, hope in the face of evil. It brings you to a place of being comfortable in your own skin, healthy and happy. I'm going to refresh what the to-do list I've been giving you the last couple weeks. Talk with God. Listen to God. Read about God. Don't Read your Bible like it's reading your chores. Are you looking for God on the pages? Read about God. Think about what you read. God should engage your emotions and your brain. I'm not afraid of any question about God. Nor should you be. Think about what you read. Write what you learn. Right. How else will you be prepared to share with somebody else? Come on, somebody. That's good. Write about what you learn and then share it. Let's stand and close with this prayer this morning. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for allowing me to just kind of unpack this for you. Uh, one of the most important lessons ever. Also at the back on the communion table, I have a Bible study that's there for you, okay? Just on the all-knowing and all-powerful, okay? It looks like this. It's on the back, the communion table. You can pick up one of these Bible story on all, study on all-knowing, all-powerful. Amen. I am a healer. I am a God that heals my people. I will do as I said I will do. Come to me and seek me, and I will deliver you. I am a God, your healer. Amen. 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 God, I thank you that you are our healer, that you call us to come, that in whatever state we are in, you call us to come that you are a healer, that you are worthy of worship, that you are worthy of praise. So Lord, each of us individually can pray this prayer this morning that, Lord, please forgive me for the times that I've not kept an active connection with you. Please help me see you with my spiritual eyes. Please help me learn more about you. Please change me through this. Lord, I thank you because I know that you are who you said you are. I thank you, God, that you are predictable, that you are full of love, that you are full of mercy, that you are full of joy. I thank you for that today, for the miracles that you're doing in this house, for the answers to prayer that we have seen this week. And Lord, we go forth this morning in your grace and peace. I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for being here today. Um, I see that
Joe and Anna have arrived with new baby Leo Daniel. Let's welcome them.